bless your name Jesus we bless your name Jesus we bless your name Jesus thank you because you answer us when we pray thank you because your promises are yea and amen in Christ Jesus we thank you for who you are we thank you for what you do and we thank you for open heavens tonight we thank you for answering our petition tonight we thank you for every desire lifted to you tonight because we believe that your hand has been stretched forth and we thank you for a performance of every blessing in every life in Jesus precious name say believe in amen Glory to Jesus. Put your hands together and let's celebrate Jesus. Hallelujah. Please welcome one, two, or three people to church tonight. Make sure you're smiling as you welcome people to church. The Bible says, it's only a wicked man that hardens his face. So how's your week been so far? I know that some of us just started um, real work this week. Some people went to work last week to play. But I know this week, real work has started, praise God. And real business starting all around the nation and all around the city of Lagos. I pray tonight that as you put your hands on the plow to, do, to make great things happen this year, you will enjoy angelic assistance. Amen. You will enjoy the hand of God. Amen. Uh, wherever you have stretched your hand in time past and your hand could not reach this time around, the hand of God will double uh, um, your reach. Amen. I cannot hear your amen. amen. Somebody here is thinking that, you know, how shall these things be? Because there are things that are ahead of you this year. You're wondering how they're going to happen. I want you to know tonight uh, that when we leverage on the hand of God, uh, things that we cannot do or we have not been able to do just on our own, when God shows up, uh, it turns everything around. And then it's just like Psalm 126. Or the psalmist says, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. He said our mouth was filled with laughter, our tongue was singing. And then among the Edens, the people who don't know God, they're asking, what happened to them? You know, why, why, why are they making so much noise? Why are they, you know, so excited? And then amongst themselves, they'll be telling us, the Lord has done great things for them. That's, that will be your testimony this year. I said, that will be your testimony this year. I speak uh, specifically about someone who really has been wondering how something is going to turn around. Yeah. So I, I'm speaking specifically to that person who's been wondering how, how will this thing turn around? How, how will there not be a repeat you know, of this thing this year? Maybe it's a kind of failure you suffered last year. And I just wanted to know that the Lord is turning again our captivity. Amen. And somebody here will laugh. Amen. Somebody here will rejoice Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. When we come to church and we pray, it's not a spiritual tradition. It's not a ritual. Yeah. It's not a ritual. We've come to entreat the one who says, I, I am omnipotent. I, I have the solution to all things. And sometimes we don't have to wait until we come to an end in ourselves. Yeah, before we know that we have to approach him. He has a solution to everything. Have we talked about that before? He has a solution to everything. Everything. 
He has his way around everything. And so when we come together and enjoy you know, the corporate anointing in his presence, it's not a ritual. We have come before the one who knows all things and can do all things. And uh, the Bible says that uh, we shall come in faith. So I expect that your faith should be alive and well tonight. Praise God. Um, I have a short time to, to teach, and what I want to do tonight is to teach as I you know, expand a little bit more on the series, Imagine. And tonight I'm sharing, you know, in the brief time that I have, on what is on your mind. What is on your mind? Ask your neighbor for me, say, what is on your mind? Ask another neighbor, and if their hands are just listening, say, what's on your mind? <laughs> Nobody's mandated to answer, but if you feel like answering, you can go ahead. Yeah. You can just go ahead. Praise God. <laughs> you know, sometimes when you say, tell your neighbor something, especially when it's a question, people don't respond because they think we're just saying it. And sometimes it's in response that a miracle can happen. Praise God. Because you can just tell your neighbor. Somebody say, what's on your mind? And just tell, I've been thinking about you. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> and then the miracle starts from there. Say amen, somebody. Second Corinthians chapter 10, and I'll read from verse number 3 down to 6. Second Corinthians chapter 10. I'll read from verse 3 down to 6. I see few people talking amongst the choir. Something is happening there. Praise God. <laughs> Go ahead and talk. You have my permission. <laughs> Praise God. All right. For we walk, for though we walk in the flesh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 3 down to 6, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought, somebody say thought, into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Praise God. This passage of the scripture speaks to spiritual warfare and it speaks to how we walk with God to make things happen in our lives. And uh, of particular um, emphasis is, uh, it says, for the weapon of our warfare are not canon. Anytime you're talking about weapon, you're talking about, I mean, you know you're in a battle. Am I saying the truth? Yeah, the moment you see the word weapon, you, you don't, it, I mean, it's not food and it's not, <laughs> it's not, um, it's not clothes. It's not what we use on a daily basis. Anytime you see weapon, you're talking about, about warfare. So the weapon of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds and casting down argument. Another translation says casting down imagination. Imagination. It's a casting down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought. When you see imagination, when you see thought, well, they are like a set of twins. I mean, what you imagine is what you are thinking about. Am I saying the truth? 
uh, because you can't disengage your mind and yet still be able to imagine. The same way you cannot disengage your mind and be able to think. Uh, both thoughts and imaginations are together. The Bible says here that we uh, uh, cast down argument on every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought to captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's how we engage in warfare. Our warfare is more of dealing with imaginations and dealing with thoughts. Dealing with imaginations and dealing with thought. Real spiritual warfare is more about dealing with the intangibles of this world. Because we know that the tangible is always from the intangible. Are you still with me today? The intangible is always from the intangible. Why we look not at things which are seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The things which are seen will pass away. Nothing lasts forever. But you have never seen God before, and it will never pass away. You have never touched your soul before, but your soul will live into eternity. Yet your shirt will not, because it's touchable. Are you still with me today? Yeah. Uh, so, so we need to understand that, that the, 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 the fight in the spirit, the warfare in the spirit, is, is dealing with in, the intangibles of this world. And imagination is a very vital part of that. Imagination is a vital part of that. That's why I'm asking the question tonight, what's on your mind? What's on your mind? What, what are you thinking about? What are you imagining? What are you thinking about? We started on this series, Imagine. Uh, we, we've tried to describe, you know, how a lot depends on how we can, what we, we can imagine. We, we, I mean, from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, the Bible says that uh, now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly or immeasurably more than we can ever think or imagine. God said, bring it on, anything at all. I can do a thousand times more than what has entered your mind right now. God says, what's the biggest amount of money that you have ever think that you attract? He said, I can do much more than that. What's, what's the, what, what, what in material terms, in possession, have you envisioned? Or what do you want to do with your life? What have you envisioned before or imagined that your life will become? He said, I can, I can surpass that. I can surpass that. I can surpass that. So it's important for us to know that you are most like God when you are using your positive imagination or when you use your imagination positively. That's when we are most like God. Yeah, that's actually when we are most like God. When we engage our imagination positively. Because some people think it's when you are in worship, that's when you are most like God. Or when, or when you, I don't know, when you are praying, that's when you are most like God. It's important for you to understand that God does not pray. <laughs> he doesn't pray. There's nobody to pray to. So you can't be most like God when you are praying. But when you engage positive and creative imagination, that's when you are most like God. In uh, Genesis uh, chapter 1, Bible says, now let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion. Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And the first attribute of God that was demonstrated in the book of Genesis is that he is a creator. 
So if you say, let us make man in our image, that means the first thing that he expects from you and I is that we will be creative. We will also be able to create. Are you still with me? The first attribute of God demonstrated in the Bible is that he's a creative God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. <laughs> yeah. In the beginning, God created. He, he, the first attribute of God demonstrated in Genesis 1-1 was that he is the creative God. It wasn't his... You know, it wasn't any other thing. As much as it's important to recognize that the one attribute of God is holiness, holiness was not put forward in Genesis 1 1. I don't know if you, and that does not mean holiness is not important. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, not at all. I'm just saying that if, when God had the opportunity to introduce himself to man, the first thing he said is that I'm creative. And you know, and I want you to follow me very carefully tonight. That everything created started with imagination. Everything that has been created started with imagination, including our world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created the world. There cannot be creativity without imagination. They walk hand in hand. Are you still with me tonight? Yeah. Anything at all. I remember the first time this, uh, um, like when we came to see this, this land, this, uh, this is Annex land. And um, I told a young man to do the, the arrangement of this place. We'll have junior church. We'll have adult church. We'll do this marquee. Take the measurement. Um, how, what should be, you know, I was asking the pastor, this, the bigger marquee, how many people do you want it to sit? He said, make it something that can sit about 800 people. The church was just about 250 people at that time. So I was stretching my faith. <laughs> make it something that can sit like 800 people. You know, give, give, give us a junior church that can sit, that can take maybe about, uh, you know, 200 children. And, you know, like that. And I remember having this thing while the negotiation for this place was still going on. And the owner of the land was still saying, I don't want to lease my land to church and all that. I already had it on my iPad. It was the old one, the first generation iPad that I started with. Yes. Well, my screensaver. Yeah. In fact, before I even designed this one at all, I'd gone to one marquee. I stood in front of the place. I took the picture of the place. And it was my first screensaver. That time, we didn't even know how we were going to get the money to buy this marquee. But I said this. I've, I've, I've imagined it. I've seen it in my spirit. And the Holy Ghost has stamped it. <laughs> Glory be to God. And so you can see. I mean, that, that, that's now like five years ago. And we have soon proceeded from there to other things. Glory be to Jesus. Everything, anything at all. When you look at nature, do you think the, the, those things just happen? God imagined them. Just like cars don't drop on the road. I mean, I saw the, was it, um, was it the new, the latest under pilot or so, a few days ago, the 2015 one. It was beautiful. Have you seen it? <laughs> it was only one. I've seen it in Lagos. <laughs> As in, I, I, I just saw it and I, I had to just be looking I'm not sure I almost didn't bump into the car. You know, I don't know. I just said, is this Honda Pilot? Oh, nice. You know, I'm really not a big fan of Honda, but it was just beautiful. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. So when you see the latest, uh, 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 maybe Mercedes-Benz or whatever on, this, on the road, you are seeing it, they call it 2015 or 2016 edition. Somebody started, somebody imagined it in 2013 or 2014. 
And they told him, relax, relax. Just be drawing it. <laughs> you know, when the appropriate time comes, we're going to tell you it's your turn, and we'll bring down one, then we'll, we'll, we'll cut. What we will drive in 2018, some people are working on it now. So, uh, you, this is a digression, but you wonder, <laughs> to be poor, it means that you must neglect your creative imagination, and don't do anything that will be valuable in 2018. You are guaranteed. <laughs> I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, sometimes I like to think that way. That was, that was, this was the way I was thinking when I wrote Seven Commandments of Foolishness. Because I was asking the Holy Spirit, what does it take to be foolish? <laughs> and then he said, uh, uh, the, if you know how to be foolish, then it's easy to know how to be wise. So I taught the series in church, and then it became a book. So as, 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 in, as I was thinking, I just, the only thing just told me, don't, can't you see that it's easy to be poor? Some people are designing what we will drive in 2018, what we will wear. Some people have already, they've made up their mind that they're going to change the fashion landscape, and they're already thinking about it now. And they're thinking, don't, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just digressing, but I need to say this one too. In the generations of my mom, you know the kind of jeans they wore? <laughs> the belt is here, was here. Am I saying the truth? Yes. It's, you know the jeans we're wearing now? The belt came down here. <laughs> you don't know there were some people that made up their mind that they are going to reduce the waist. Uh, yeah, because they just... They are just trying their best to make us naked. <laughs> that was the agenda. Don't you think so? Because not <laughs> I don't even know how I got here, but God, God help me. But this, <laughs> but we're talking imagination. Don't, don't, don't let your imagination run wild, child. Stay with me. But you know that today it's so difficult for people to keep their trousers on, especially ladies, because some wicked people took over the industry and reduce, bring the thing down. So you see ladies on the bike today using one hand to hold and one hand to. In the beginning, it was not so. <laughs> Praise God. No, in the beginning, it was not so. When jeans started, it was not so. <laughs> And everything I'm saying now, it was just in the last six, seven years, seven to eight years, yeah. It was, it was, it was very deliberate. So I'm, I'm talking about thinking into the future because it was those thoughts that changed the way we live. And the people who engage their imaginations positively will always lead the people who have sent their own imagination on sabbatical, who have put their imagination to rest. Are you still with me today? I said, are you still with me? Extremely important. So everything created started with imagination, including our world. And there cannot be creativity without imagination. There can't be creativity without imagination. And it's when you choose to be creative, that's when you are most like God. Yeah. When you engage your creative imagination, that's when you, are that's when you step into the realm of God. You know, in the realm of God, there's no present, past, or future. There's none. I was saying on Sunday. In, uh, in, in, 
John the Baptist saw Jesus in the Gospels, and Jesus was passing, and the statement is made by the prompting of the Holy Spirit was, Behold the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. As at that time, Jesus was not slain yet. John saw him and said, That's the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. <laughs> that means it was a, in God's realm, was a past event, though it was. That means, I mean, in God's realm, you really, everything is just like this. Yeah, he has seen everything. And when you decide to engage your imagination, you are stepping into the realm of God, which is the fourth dimension, which is beyond the three dimension. The three-dimensional life is, is too ordinary. It's too ordinary. So you step into God's dimension. You start to call the things that be not as though they are. That's God's dimension. Because in God's dimension, there's no future. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. That's why we say he calls the things that are not as though they are. Because they are. In his realm, they are. Are you still with me? So, so I've said that you're most like God when you engage your creative thought. Secondly, every gift of God can be abused, including our imagination. Now, imagination, you must recognize, is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. And it's the one that is most susceptible to abuse. Why? Because it's easy to manipulate it. You know, you cannot manipulate your memory, except you're losing it. I hope you understand what I'm saying. What happened to you yesterday happened to you yesterday. <laughs> I don't know if somebody's following me. Yeah. The ability to remember is also a gift from God. But you can't manipulate it. Because you can't change what happened to you in 2015. That's why you should leave it. I hope you understand what I'm saying. And then go to the one that you can work on by the help of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Whatever the Holy Spirit could not do, about what happened to you in December. It cannot be done. He only has the chance to affect what will happen to you in January, February, March, April, May, June. Are you still with me today? And that's why God says, Isaiah 43, remember not the former things. Let's engage the new things, the things that are ahead, because that's where I live. That's where, that's the one that I can walk with you. Ephesians 3.20, the Bible says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to the spirit that is at work within us. That's where the Holy Spirit can walk in that realm of thoughts and imagination. And that's the reason why the devil specializes in trying to manipulate that so that you won't be able to allow the Holy Spirit to walk with you on it. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying today. Yeah. Extremely important. Every gift of God can be abused. And that includes our imagination. And it includes our imagination. That's why we need to be careful. That's why the scripture that we read said, you know what? Any imagination that is being abused or manipulated, junk it. So casting down argument or imagination that is against the knowledge of Christ. Are you still with me today? Number three, and I want you to follow me very carefully. My imagination shapes my life. My imagination shapes my life. 
You know, we're saying that the realm of the imagination is a creative process. And create, creativity is the act of shaping. I cannot celebrate, I mean, se separate my imagination from my life. I can't. I can't. As much as we humans would prefer that notwithstanding what we think or imagine, good things just continue to happen to us. It's a pity. It doesn't just work like that. And please hear me well tonight. Yeah. It just doesn't work like that. And the earlier you know, the better. That it just doesn't work like that. Because that, that's what I would have preferred. That I sit down, do all the nonsense I want with my mind, think anything I want, but just because I'm a child of God, And I've been promised great things. Great things will happen to me, whether I think greatness or not. I'm sorry. It doesn't work like that. Say, Pastor, why are you so sure? How, are you, how do you know? Because that's, that's, I'm, I'm sure that's what somebody's thinking right now. Why are you so sure? How do you know? It's simple. Proverbs 27, I mean 23, verse 7. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. Simple. He says that you cannot divorce the shape of your life from the thoughts that you embrace or the imaginations that prevail on your mind. That's why Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart. In fact, one translation, I think message translation says, be careful how you think because your thoughts shape your life. <laughs> so be careful how you think. Be careful how you think. Keep your heart without diligence. What's in your heart? Your imaginations and your thought. For heart of it are the issues of life. One translation says, for they affect everything you do. He said, it affects everything you do. He said, keep your heart without it because it affects everything you do. Everything. Everything. So I cannot allow it to just be anyhow running wild, doing, you know, busy all the time with junk and nonsense. And then I say, because I'm an um, Elevation Church member, I am already automatically elevated. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me tell you who you can be compared to when you live like that. You are like somebody who will wake up in the morning and load Aku and step down with Eba <laughs> and find, uh, you know, is it long throat they call it now? the soda, the coke, uh, or whatever, the, the, the hair, and use it to also step down round two. And then, that's how it eats. And then they have to know, you know, get, or just eat anyhow. And say, because um, I'm a child of God, I cast out the calories in the spirit. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I think somebody prayed before. I saw someone on social media, I was somebody who put, you know, a bowl of amalagbegiri, all this uh, local food around here with all kinds of intestine and everything on top of it, all sorts, and say in the name of Jesus, Lord, bless this food and take out all the calories. <laughs> I'm sure God was looking at it from heaven and say, I'll dump that out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to show you very soon how 
abusing our imagination breaks the heart of God. It breaks the heart of God. So if you don't know, please hear me well tonight. It breaks the heart of God. In fact, it breaks into pieces. In fact, in some ways, well, because it's the foundation for a sinful life, we can't say that it breaks the heart of God more than sin, but it looks like that. And I'm going to show you very soon. See. <laughs> so I said, my imagination shapes my life. It shapes my life. I, how I wish that I can imagine anything, I can use my mind anyhow, and yet still prosper and be great and live a peaceful life. But like I said, please get it straight tonight. It, life has not been wired like that. Imagination. Number four, right? Is anybody following me? Imagination is essential to living by faith. Yeah. Imagination is essential to living by faith. Follow me carefully. You know, I've said that you can't, your imagination shapes your life. You can't separate it. But also, imagination is essential to living by faith. And the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's why you cannot separate the way you your imagination and the thoughts in your heart from your ability to please God. Because imagination is essential to living by faith. Because what you cannot see in your mind, what your mind has not accepted, you don't develop faith to receive them. On Sunday, I was talking about how God started to prompt the, the mind of Abraham to imagine new things out of, you know, his... his um, childlessness and, uh, you know, lack of fruitfulness in, in, that, in that area. I was an assistant pastor in making. Yeah. Praise God. I, 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 out of, you know, all that situation that it was, God started to bring his imagination into that process. So God started to bring his imagination into the process. Like I said on Sunday in Genesis 15, Genesis 17, you see God telling Abraham, I'm going to change your name. Because if I keep calling you father of many nations, very soon you, you're going to start to imagine it. Yeah. I saw a friend on Facebook, was it yesterday or day before yesterday, announced a change of name and put the document there. I've forgotten what his surname used to be, but I changed it to Privé. So when I read it, I was tempted to, first of all, maybe like laugh about it, but I was like, what, what's funny? This happened several in the Bible. And you, and you are not there when God told him. So why are you laughing? That's what I told myself. I said, so why must you laugh? I wasn't there when God told him. And God himself performed the same operation in the Bible severally. How will somebody be bearing prevail and he will not prevail? I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. I'm sure the guy just vexed. <laughs> and just told himself, Let's, this one will require a bigger operation. The same way God took Abraham, I'm going to take, go through the same way. Change his name. Because you can't have a son named Prevail in the house, Mr. Prevail, Mrs. Prevail. <laughs> you know, you have a boy, James, James Prevail. 
you, you, you can't have <laughs> that kind of surname and it will be, you won't be able to imagine that you are prevailing. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying because you are, you are aiding your capacity to have positive imagination and great imagination about yourself. It's very important. Imagination is essential to living by faith. God worked with Abraham, the person we call the father of faith today, and he brought him to a point where his imagination was fully engaged in the process of his work with God to get the promise that God has given, uh, made to him. Father of many nations, God could have, if Abraham's problem was no money, when he wanted to change it from Abraham to Abraham, he could have changed it to something else, Bilonia. But he was already a Bilonia by the standard of that day. Because the Bible says he was rich in cattle, he was rich in anything. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. So it was the place where God wanted his mind to change. That was where he changed his name so that his imagination can be engaged. The same way when he said, look, look, look at the stars. Count. He didn't say that's how plenty your money will be. He said that's how plenty your children will be. Because this is the area where you need my touch. And before I can touch you in that area, I must engage your imagination. You must be seeing what I'm seeing. Someone see with me tonight. Yeah. So you must be seeing what I'm seeing. You must dream it. You must see it. It must become the reality of your life. Glory to Jesus. Great lives, great lives are built around great dreams. That's number five. Great lives are built around great dreams. Great lives are built around great dreams. You can't just, I mean, imagine to become a great life without a perpetual building. There's something, there are, there are prevailing pictures that you are building around. Great lives are built around great dreams. That's why uh, um, Paul, writing to the Ephesians and praying, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, uh, um, he put that up for me. He talks about the highs of your understanding being enlightened. Yeah, verse 9. He said, the highs of your understanding are being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. The highs of your understanding being enlightened. Paul, Paul's prayer here was more about, Lord, open the eyes of these people to see big things. Let them see what is ahead. Yeah. You know, and we sing that song a lot, a lot of time. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. There's no... It's not possible to really walk by faith or embrace great dreams until your inner eyes are open. Your inner eyes are open. I can't remember the chapter in Revelation where, uh, is it Revelation chapter 4? I'm not sure. The, the scripture was describing one of the revelations that John saw. And he said, I saw the, the man you know, that was sitting on the throne. He was not describing that one. He was describing the 24 elders. He described um, um, a few other things. But he described a particular creature. He said he has eyes in front and at the back. 
In fact, he described another one. He said the body was filled with ice. <laughs> so it just looks like uh, when God wants to help us, what he does is that it gives us a capacity to see. The capacity to see. Great lives are built around great dreams. Built around great dreams. And you, you actually really start to live when you start to see the way God is seeing. Or where your, your, your dreams are not just your dreams, but they are God's dreams. As I wrap up tonight, I want us to remember where we started from. What's on your mind? In the scriptures, there are things that the Bible says we should imagine. There are things the Bible says we cannot imagine. And there are things that the Bible says we should not imagine. <laughs> and I go through that one more time. Okay, let me start like this. There are things the Bible says we should not imagine. There are things the Bible says we should imagine. And there are things the Bible says we cannot imagine. <laughs> All right. You know, I was talking about God and the fact that when we abuse our imagination, it looks like it breaks the heart of God. Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. Chapter six. The Bible talks about here the things that we should not imagine. And for the first time in the book of the beginning, in the book of Genesis, when the Bible says that evil imagination was very pervasive, what happened? God vexed. He had to promise himself that he won't vex like that again. He said, I will no longer destroy. <laughs> because he just decided, I'm going to wipe everything out. Can, can, we, can we read that together? Genesis chapter... Uh, praise God. Genesis chapter 5. Yeah, Genesis chapter 5. Is it 5 or 6? Let me see. Okay, Genesis chapter 6. And when Genesis chapter 6, uh, from verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of men saw the daughters of men, and they were beautiful. The sons of God saw the daughters of men, and they were beautiful, and, you know, and they took wives and all that. Um, verse number 3, And then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be uh, 120. And um, there were giants. Let me jump to chapter, verse number five. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth. And he was grieved in his heart. This is the first time that God will express his emotion in such vivid terms like that. Such, you know, very strong, with very strong words. And what happened there was that man started to abuse his imagination to the point that 
God felt like he made a mistake. Let me read it from message translation to you. Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 5. God saw that human evil was out of control. People thought evil, imagined evil, evil, evil. From morning to night. That's message translation. <laughs> the evil was written, I think, four times. It said, God saw that human, human evil was out of control. And how did it happen? People thought evil. Imagined evil. 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 From morning to night. Said God was sorry that he made the human race in the first place. It broke his heart. God said, I will get rid of my ruined, ruined creation. Make a clean sweep. People. Animals, snakes, bugs, birds, the walks. I'm sorry I made them. What precipitated this emotion? Evil, evil, evil imagination. I told you I'm going to show you. <laughs> that it breaks the heart of God when we abuse the gift of imagination. And he's so centered on evil, it, it breaks his heart so much. In this first instance, God made up his mind. The Bible says he was, he was sorry that he created us. Then he wiped. The only person that he could work with. This is very instructive. Very instructive. Let me read from verse 9. This is a story of Noah. Noah was a good man, a man of integrity, in his community, Noah walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. As far as God was concerned, the earth had become a, a, a sewer, like a sewage. Uh, um, there was violence everywhere. God took one look and saw how bad it was. Everyone corrupt and corrupting life itself corrupt to the core. God said to Noah, it's all over. It's the end of the human race. The violence is everywhere, and I'm making a clean sweep. Behold, I mean, sorry, build yourself a ship from thick wood. Make rooms in it. Coat it with pitch inside and out. Make it 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Build a roof. So God went on and on and on. See, the, the only man that God saw that imagine, his imagination was still available started to paint pictures to him. You know, those days there was no um, architectural plan. God told him everything. Noah was able to see it because his mind was available. Somebody say, my mind will be available to God. Oh, come on, say it again. Say, my mind will be available to God. Noah was able to see all that because his mind was available. And God painted all those pictures to Noah. This is what I wanted to do. This is what I wanted to do. And the Bible says Noah did exactly what God told him to do. He did exactly what God told him to do. You know what was most amazing for me? God was able to engage the mind of Noah and his creative thinking to the point that when God told Noah that he was going to destroy the earth with the flood, 
if you read your Bible very well, it had never rained on the earth before then. That was why all the funny, funny, foolish people with evil imagination, they were laughing at him. Which water? Which? That is whole place will be flooded. Have you seen it before? Noah and it had never rained on the earth before. Yet, Noah was able to conceive the ship, the ark, and conceive or see in his imagination the possibility that this God of immeasurably more can flood the whole earth with water. Is that not, and we're not supposed to salute his imagination? If you had the what night service I described, the day my house was flooded. If you can remember, get the message. And I said, the Holy Spirit was telling me that if you want the definition of immeasurably more, that's how it looks. <laughs> Where you just sit and just see, you think just, it's immeasurably more. And you're wondering, where's the water coming from? It's coming from immeasurably more. Now, Noah. If when it had never, one drop of rain had never come on the earth before, Noah was able to imagine immeasurably more. Do you know what it takes for water to fill the whole earth to the point that nothing survived? Listen to me and listen to me well. This is very prophetic. In these dispensations and the dispensations ahead of us, God will no longer flood the heart. The Bible says like the days of Noah. But yet, there are floods coming. Not physical. There is economic flood coming. It takes someone like Noah, who is able to imagine immeasurably more. Who is able to imagine the heart that will stay afloat. When God starts to work with your imagination, what he wants to do is to help you to build the ark before the flood will come. And we say together. But if you allow your mind to engage other things, the Bible says unequivocally that we must not engage evil imagination. Lustful thinking. Thoughts of revenge. Those are all the things that clutter people's mind. They cannot see the specs for the hack that they should build so that they will stay afloat in destiny. Are you still with me today? When, we are, when, we, when our imagination is cluttered with stuff like that, I remember as a young believer, I think I was 15 or 16, I had very bad problem with lustful thoughts, evil thoughts, I could sit down and arch evil. Yeah. All by myself. And you know, the thing will now be carrying you like wind. Be looking for somebody to, to harm because or, or a way of expressing it because you just think it's possible. The young, young boy in secondary school, I can plot two people and they will break their heads. Both of them will find something to tell this one, something to tell this one. And a small, small rat like this, I will escape and they'll be fighting. And I will tell myself, yes, I've done it. Yeah. 
When I gave my life to Christ, one major challenge I had was how I was going to master my thoughts. And thank God somebody, you know, gave me a book. It was written by the man Melin Carotas. The, the, the title was, What's on Your Mind? Well, I think I had one copy up to like 10 years ago. I held a copy for like 15 years. Yeah. For a believer to walk with God, you must master your thought. You must master your ability to imagine a glorious future, immeasurably more in the hand of God. And make up your mind that your, your, your mind and your imagination will not be a tool in the hand of the devil to bring worry, anxiety. Like I said before, worry is abuse. It's an abuse of imagination, of your imagination. Yeah. Why must you only imagine that the situation will get worse? That they will not pay the money and that somebody is going to steal something from you? Why must you, I mean, somebody needs healing or you, you have to go for a surgery or something like that and all the thoughts in your mind is the abuse that you will not survive the surgery. When there are 1,001 people who have gone for the same surgery and they came out alive and well and lived well afterwards, worry is an abuse of our imagination. Where we started from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, when you read from verse 5, the Bible says that we should do what with those thoughts? Cast them down, junk them. Junk them. Junk them. Junk them. Junk them. That's what the scripture says. We should junk them. Now, this was how Noah lived and God was able to find a place on his mind to drop the idea of the hack, how to build it. And he was able to see that God was going to express himself as immeasurably more. This time around, to wipe out the race completely. In 2016, you need to be able to imagine what God will do and how you are going to build the hack because God will give you the idea. Somebody's hack is an idea for a business. Somebody's hack is an idea to tweak a product. Somebody's hack is to, to apply for a particular training. Somebody's hack. You need to know what will make you stay afloat. But it's only when you are imagining that it's up top that you are going. That's when, because if when God told Noah, all Noah said was, God don't deceive me. Maybe me too, I should go and join them. Because you can't, you, can't, you can't kill anybody. Stop it. There's no water anywhere. Let them enjoy my, themselves. When I finish, I'll go and join them too. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Because it was unbelievable. What God said he wanted to do was unbelievable. If you have not seen a bucket of water before, except you dig from the ground, then how do you think that water will come from the sky and flood everybody? Except you believe that the God that we serve is a God that is able to do immeasurably more than we can think or imagine. Glory be to Jesus. Somebody lift your hand to Jesus tonight and just tell him, Lord, I repent from abuse, the abuse of my imagination. 
I repent. I repent from the abuse of imag my imagination. I repent from the abuse of my imagination. And as we pray that prayer tonight, I wanted to also start to pray that, Lord, I put my thought, my imagination into your hand. I put everything into your hand tonight. Walk through it. Walk through my imagination to take me to the next phase of my destiny. Walk through my imagination to bring healing into my life. Walk through my imagination to step me up to the next phase of wealth and riches in my life. Walk through my imagination to bring me into new beginnings in my career. Walk through my imagination to be able to see a blissful marital destiny ahead of me. Holy Spirit, we ask that you breathe upon us today. Breathe upon us like you did upon Noah to the hand that he could see and recognize what, is, what was ahead of him. Breathe upon us. Somebody just, just speak to God today. Speak to God today. Speak to God today. Lord, the same way you opened the eyes of Noah, that his eyes of understanding was enlightened to be able to understand things that he had never seen before. Lord, we ask that you breathe upon us today. Open our hearts. Open our eyes. Help us to understand and see what is ahead of us. Somebody speak to God today. Speak to God today. Somebody here specifically, you may be like me, like I was 20 years ago or so. You struggle with lustful thoughts. You struggle with evil thoughts. You struggle with thoughts of revenge. You struggle with imagination. Evil imagination. Somebody may even be here. You, are, you still have a struggle with pornography. It's evil imagination that, that sponsors the idea of pornography. Why don't you leave your imagination in the hand of God today? And say, Lord, I, I, I drop it in your hand. I ask that you help me to cleanse my heart. Help me to purify my mind. So there's only thoughts from you and you alone. Thoughts of my glorious destiny that will envelop my heart and my mind. Lift your two hands with me today. Lift your two hands with me, everyone. Jesus, Son of the living God, I receive grace over your sons and your daughters today. Satan will stand against you in every way that you may be operating in these lives. And I decree right now grace over everyone to cast down evil imagination. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Grace over everyone to murder thoughts that are not from God. Every thought that are not in line with your destiny, I decree tonight, every thought overwhelming you and holding you down, I break their hold over your mind. In the name of the Lord Jesus, every picture that has not been planted by my Father, pictures of failure, pictures of 
doom and gloom in the future. Pictures of things crumbling. Marriage crumbling. Work crumbling. Every evil picture that is struggling with the promise of God in your heart. I stand against such tonight. I cast it down in the name of Jesus. I decree that the power of the cross prevails over somebody's mind and heart here tonight. I receive grace over you to guard your heart like never before. Father, we thank you. We bless you and we praise you. We bless you and we praise you. Celebrate Jesus with me tonight. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Bow down your heads with me just for a moment.